In this episode, we vacation in a town inhabited by a bunch of baby snatchers. Oh, gosh. Uh, but on a milder note, we go to school. And we also stumble across an old friend. I don't like the sound of baby <laughs> snatchers. Your what? face, I cannot. Okay. I am not excited, but I have to know what, what's up. Oh, I am excited. Thank you for coming back for replay reviews, Horror Month. My name is Leah. <laughs> and my name is Scotty. <laughs> we are two friends who are here to replay, review, and analyze your favorite video games. And since Kathy has never seen the games before, it helps me view them through her fresh eyes. Almost like I am discovering them again for the first time. <laughs> we'll pay a similar experience for you. <laughs> Do I sound like Dracula or just Italian? <laughs> He's not Italian. <laughs> the heck, man? <laughs> it's a birthday special. Always weird stuff happening on our birthdays. But today is Leah's birthday. But by the time you listen, it's not. <laughs> I feel like we need to talk about something. It is okay. horror month, first of all. Happy horror month. Things are already getting freaky. So we had some technical issues, right? Like you couldn't hear me. But my mic was working in every other app except for on Google. And then your computer froze. It did. And that was weird. But here's where I get freaked out. So yesterday, oh gosh. I was running on the treadmill. And so I was timing, like, stopwatch on my watch, right? Mm-hmm. And this was, like, 9.20 last night. Mm-hmm. And I forgot to pause it, put it back on after my work meeting this morning at, like, 9.30. So, like, 12 hours had gone by. It was at six hours and 43 minutes. Are you sure the battery didn't die or something? It was still counting. But how is it only six hours? I don't know. That's what I'm scared. <laughs> what happened? That's so weird. Where'd my watch go? It got took on some weird time traveling. Anyway, already off to a spooky start. Are you ready for Horror Month, Kathy? Do I have a choice? Uh... You're going to wish you did when I tell you that this game was originally banned in Australia. What? Why? <laughs> too gory, too, oh uh, too sexual, too scary. Anything more sexual than SDWDOs? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's been toned down a bit, though. I think you can handle it. But we'll find out. We meet Blake and Lynn. Uh, it sounds like she's a reporter and he's, like, her sidekick, but also her husband. He does the editing and the filming, I think. And then I guess Blake is dreaming. He's dreaming about being back in school. And somebody named Jessica. Well, I mean, we learned they're there for because a pregnant woman was probably murdered. And then we learn immediately talk about a person named Jessica. Who's Jessica? How is she important? It sounds like they went to school together. And Lynn says that she hasn't thought about her in ages. So it's been a while. Not much to make out of that yet, but yes. It sounds like they are here investigating the murder of a young pregnant woman. I guess the police report says that she strangled herself to death. I don't know how you do that. They say all the mercury in that woman's blood. And then it sounds like they think she was poisoned by a factory. Lynn says we should probably mention the fetus too, how it just... And then she doesn't say anything. I'm getting really bad vibes from this. There is an interesting, an interesting line. Lynn says that he should have slept last night. And 
at some point we learned that he didn't sleep last night because he had to get that hospital footage organized. Think there's any chance that hospital could be Mount Massive? That's what I'm thinking. I'm also thinking that talking about the pregnant woman probably is related to Outlast and Whistleblower, especially the uh, the study about women spontaneously getting pregnant. Is it just a coincidence? But then this bright blast, bright light, <laughs> oh, it knocks the helicopter out of the sky. And then all of a sudden, Blake is now in school. And he sees pictures and a ribbon that says Jessica in a locker. So this Jessica person seems pretty important, or at least pretty important in Blake's mind. And then we see some creepy guy walking with a purpose. And then we wake back up at the crash site. I don't know if you have any comments on him suddenly being back at school. Why is it that we know that they're going to do some investigation? We know it's going to get creepy and everything. So why does it happen to be just the night before they're going there that he's already getting dreams about Jessica, which I presume they haven't thought about or talked about it. It's like too much of a coincidence that that same night they're going in, he's already thinking mm-hmm. and dreaming of Jessica, and then he's already dreaming or he's in this location at the school. It's like foreshadowing something. Back at the crash site, Blake cannot find Lynn. She's not in the crash, but he does find the pilot. Although it looks like he's been skinned and tied up in a tree. Continuing on his way, Blake stumbles upon a dilapidated town where the only apparent inhabitants are either dead or deeply disturbed. What's new? Yeah. (laughs) Of seeing this town, he says there's not supposed to be anything for miles. So what is this place if there's not supposed to be anything here? Well, it's completely off the radar that they probably are either keeping to themselves, recently located over there. It's odd. Blake finds a couple of documents. The first one, it sounds like he killed his child and then himself. Is that what you gathered from this first document? Definitely that he said he didn't offer, and that almost sounds like he's sacrificing his wife and kids. And then he talks about Papa Noth. Yeah. We don't know who he is at this point but we will soon get to know about him yeah and why is he comforting women what's going on here the second document was written by a woman named lisa and i just have to say lisa what the (laughs) are you okay because it sounds like she's having visions about a pee-pee monster and then she says that i saw myself all those years back blinding daniel with the lie and she woke up su- super horny. So what? What? I, what? <laughs> we will get to see a lot of people are going to bed and waking up pretty horny. And then we keep walking and I don't know what is happening with this weird, creepy baby shrine. Mm-hmm. Blake calls it a tragedy wall. It's got pictures of babies all over it. Later down the road. We learned that people are cutting babies out of people's stomach. And so why are they pretending that, like, they don't know what's happening with these babies? Like, you know what it is. And yeah, if you want to, like, feel bad about it and stuff. But the way they have it almost seems like we don't know what happened. But all we just know is the baby is missing or anything. I'm like, I feel like these people should know what's going on. So, yeah, you make a good point because when we continue on, we enter this weird room and there's, like, a poem. 
for a song, Midwife's Lament. And basically, it describes killing a baby. Babies in the bellies are, like, sent from hell and they have to be cut out. And it's definitely really creepy. And I think we need to mention, like, the entrance to this building that he walks into is really off-putting. And why anyone would choose to go down the stairs is beyond me. Go around. Just find another way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's... No. But the question is, how are there so many babies and fetuses and and how are like women still alive there? Like how are they getting access to to kidnapping these pregnant females? There's a line that somehow stands out more than uh killing the baby, and that is the babe is growing sent from hell. And it almost seems like they're being fed a line though. It reminds me of like Father Martin spewing certain things and people completely believing it. So I feel like it just might be one of those things where someone keeps saying that, trying to make it true. The fact that there's a song about it, clearly it's repeated. Mm -hmm. And then we keep going, and are those, are those, is that a pit of dead children? It is. It's, yeah. it, it made me <laughs> gag a bit. I tried to warn you. <laughs> I know, you said it was a toned down version, and I just can't even believe that's considered toned down. Yep. Pretty shocking, huh? Um, it, yeah. Thankfully, now topside again, Blake continues to wander through the town when he runs into an aggressive person thing. I don't really know. It's saying some choice phrases, some really odd things. And at one point, she says that God wants Blake dead. So that doesn't sound fantastic. During this encounter, Blake does find another document. It's chapter 8 of Noth's Gospel. We don't really know what's going on, but it sounds like another name for Noth is Ezekiel. But there is also a quote referencing him cutting his eye. So he cut he cut his own eye. Who does that? We don't know if he did, though. Maybe he's pretending to have cut his eye. It's true. It's a good point. Speaking of eyes, Blake wears glasses. They fall off his face. Have we ever had a main character that wears glasses? No, they usually wear contacts. I'm <laughs> That's kind of cool, I guess. Oh, um, not Date, but the Date's love interest. Uh, what's the guy's name? <laughs> Date's love interest. Pseudo. Yeah, Pseudo. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, that just killed me. Okay, <laughs> true, yes. Blake is not attacked by some village people, but is saved by another blast, like the one that caused them to crash. And it seems to cause the villagers to enter a sort of painful trance. Many of them are shouting in pain. We hear a very familiar voice. Get them out! Please! We have heard this before. Is this the same person that we heard in Mount Massive that jump scared us out of the wheelchair? I actually don't think it's the same person. I think this is one of the teachings that is the common thing between those that were in Mount Massive and here. Okay. Let's dig into this a little bit. Number one, it begs for a, it's a pretty good reason to see a connection between what's happening here and Mount Massive, but digging deeper into it. So that's addressing your question that you had a minute ago. If we are correct in our analysis of this quote from the first game, it could be one or two things, either one of Warnicke's nightmares, which we know are used on multiple patients. So this could be perhaps a different patient. Or it's the, the wall rider, the treatment, 
the morphogenesis literally in his blood. So do you think that this person could have made contact with Warnicky or could have made contact with the Wallrider Project? I think it's the the latter is the Wallrider Project. Some of the scientists probably escaped Mount Massif or are doing it as a second location. Because didn't we learn something about like pregnant females in a second location? So I'm thinking that maybe it's a continuation of that. The roots tie back to the Wallrider Project, but it just kind of like evolved and like transformed a bit. But we do know with the random flashes of light and everything, I feel like that gives the same kind of vibes as what was happening at Mount Massive. There has to be some kind of common supernatural thing happening or someone's behind the scenes controlling and hypnotizing everyone. So Blake does find another document. It's a note written by Philip. We don't know who that is. But he says, Our sins in our dreams, we gotta face our sins. And if the visions are getting worse and the dreams are in our waking lives, tribulations are close, but paradise is on the other side. So... People are having visions. Maybe that's what's happening to everybody right now because a lot of people seem to be quoting things from events that happened. Well, from listening to that, I think two main things I want to talk about is one, dreams. That obviously ties back to wall rider stuff. And so I'm wondering mm-hmm. how does that connect? I don't really know what it is. All I just know is that there has to be something that ties back to seeing enough gory and gruesome stuff and and having weird dreams and then seeing the wall rider which i don't know where my theory is for that but the second part is that we have blake who seems to be going in and out of dreamland and Mm -hmm. it takes him back to his school like at the flip of a light he switches over to reality and stuck in this arizona place Is he dreaming or is he just thinking or what is going on and why is it only at certain times when something happens? And I'm wondering if that flash of light is really what controls them and that's why they they crashed. That's why the pilot crashed is because that flash of light was something that I don't know who probably not is telling him like, hey, flash of light and get everyone under our control. Mm -hmm. It did like Clearly, the light triggered this event. Mm -hmm. We know that. So what exactly is happening is what we just don't know quite yet. Continuing on, Blake hears a voice over a loudspeaker saying a lot of things. But I think the lines that stuck out the most were, We stand in opposition to the Antichrist. Okay. And we need to be like God. And then he also says, God has sent us this woman. To which Blake says, Lynn, I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, what are your main questions with what we've heard from this guy so far? Who does he think he is? And (laughs) where's everyone else? Going back to the who does he think he is? What is he trying to do? What's his goal of accomplishing? So what if he's the guy who's been killing all these babies and stuff? Like, what does he get out of it? And if he is it that he needs to reach a certain goal And then he becomes God himself or whatever. What is his objective Mm -hmm. and why is he doing this? So Blake does record this giant church-like building. About it, he says, how could all of this have been here and nobody knows about it? I have some questions for you. Number one, well, the umbrella question is, how is this here? What's going on? 
Could this just be an old town that they took over? Did the people who are here build it? Or did Murkoff build all of this and it's like they're just covering it up? And that's why nobody knows about it? That's actually a really good hypothesis that Murkoff might have built this and tried to keep it under the radar. I actually like that kind of guess. So that's what we're leaning towards, I think. Mm -hmm. We'll see if anything inside the building changes that. First of all, we find chapter 11, which reveals somebody named Val, who it sounds like they were close to Noth, but has since betrayed him and basically gone to the dark side. So, interesting. I don't know if there's anything to say about that yet, but continuing on, he enters a dungeon area and there's some, I think, Latin written on the wall. And I think that we need to look it up. Okay. So the first one is Carpe Abyssum Atrium. Pick up. Okay, so pick up the black coal. What does that mean? Good question. Pick up the black abyss. You know what? This didn't clarify as much as I was, was hoping it would, but we'll go to the second one. Add Inferipare Aspera. To the bottom, rough. So, pick up the black abyss to the to the rough bottom. You know, do you think there's some kind of mistranslation? Maybe like pick up being like take out, and then the fetus or something like that. Yeah, like, like a, a inaccurate translation. I mean, I was using Google Translate, okay. so yeah, I do. <laughs> I do yeah. think it wasn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Also in the dungeon, Blake finds a note written by someone who was approached by Val. And they think Val wanted to get freaky. For what purpose? I don't know. So far, we hear a lot of whispering. It's like, why else does he keep hearing this when we know no one's near him? Yeah, there were like megaphones outside. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's anything inside or maybe those megaphones are just really loud. But Mm -hmm. definitely all this is being pumped out to the villagers Mm-hmm. I guess they're they're all on a need-to-know basis. One of the things that he says is, your child is the one. She is ripe with the Antichrist. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh is correct. I think we'll just leave it there for now unless you have something to, to say about that. No. Blake finds another piece of the gospel, which contains the C word and the F word. That is definitely not normal, <laughs> normal gospel. So I don't know who this guy is. Or what he's writing about. Definitely don't see a lot of C words in our games. (laughs) No, no, we don't. We hear Lynn struggling a little bit, and eventually we see her escape out a window. And Blake jumps out to join her, and they make a run for it. As they do, we hear the loudspeaker asking people to kill the baby. He says, crush it beneath your boot heel. But the thing is that unless she's pregnant that we knew before they got there what baby (laughs) is he raping them or b is he actually physically putting something into their stomachs because we do see that lynn says ow my stomach and she's struggling running and she keeps telling blake like she doesn't want to talk about it so i'm leaning towards that they're actually physically moving either probably like a dead fetus back into their body and then only to give their disciples and stuff to rip it out of her to cut her open it also is an opportunity for 
not to be able to prove to his people that, hey, there is something weird in these females' bodies. Yeah, there's a lot of evidence to uh, something definitely going on. She tells Blake, don't make me talk about what just happened in there. Mm-hmm. And then we hear Noth say that he performed the examination himself. So he's definitely involved. Mm-hmm. And then that made me wonder, could he be like a Murkoff employee? And instead of like the Wallrider treatment, she's getting the fake baby treatment? <laughs> like, I don't think it's related. I feel like he's a bit too crazy for an, a Murkoff <laughs> employee. Or maybe Fair. it started like that. He actually seems more like a Father Martin type of person, more religion-based and in, in being that kind mm-hmm. of leadership versus being an employee of someone. I guess he could have been an employee and it could have been like a trigger situation mm-hmm. where he just went crazy. Or yeah, he could have been some sort of patient or something that was influenced in a way similar to Father Martin. So mm-hmm. all interesting. We've got a lot of theories about this guy already. But they then get jumped by another group, and it seems like their objective is to keep the baby for themselves. They take Lynn and leave, and their leader, by the way, has no sense of space. And they're also just kind of icky. They lick Blake's face. It sounds like this is Val. What, what did you make of this scene? It, there's a lot. It's a lot. We had to pause. Going, yeah. <laughs> so, focusing on one person at a time for Blake... I almost thought he was about to get raped by this woman. So that was my first reaction when she, like, licks his face. Big uh, <laughs> sexual harassment lawsuit. So on Lynn's side, it almost sounds like she's having her stomach cut open when she's alive. And that really freaks me out and that scares me. I mean, for obvious reasons, but it's just, like, it's so insane that they're they're doing these kind of actions without really understanding why. It's just that like someone on mm-hmm. the megaphone is blasting out, saying that cut her open and take out her baby and everything. And then they're doing that without really thinking for themselves. Okay, so I'm going to clarify a couple of things. Immediately after this, Blake says that there's two sides. And he says they're Christians and heretics, but this is definitely not Christianity. So we're going to call them Nothers. And Valors. So there's two sides, and the Nothers are the ones who want this baby dead. And the Valors, who we just saw attack, they want the baby, it sounds like. Because they come in saying, we want the child. So I don't think they cut her open here. Okay. They, at the very least, knocked her out. It's very difficult to see what exactly is going on. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've seen this multiple times, and now that I wasn't actually actively playing, I was trying really hard to pay attention, and I definitely saw Val choke her to to sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't know what else they did with her, and I don't know what their plan is with her. I think just for clarification purposes, there's two sides. One wants it dead, one wants it alive. Okay. I don't know if that... <laughs> it does clarify things, because... Uh, and we know that Val was a trusted disciple of Noth, and yeah, she betrayed him. And so I understand now that her stance on it, it was just so chaotic in, like, what, five minutes of both oh, yeah. what, everything that happened to Blake and Lynn, and I could barely... One, I was already struggling to, to <laughs> not freak out and try to understand what's going on, but then to not really understand what's going on, but also be so scared of it. Blake escapes, I guess, or they they punch him out and then let him go. 
and he ends up in another section of town. And there's some townies walking around, and one of them says, the flood will come soon. And that reminded me a lot of Dissociative Dennis, who, in that patient status report, they mention his multiple personalities talking about a flood. So this is maybe another sign. Like, could this be another person who has heard that script from Warnicky? I think so. I wouldn't be surprised. My reaction to hearing the flood was the beginning of the video when Blake was still in the elementary school and you see like the flood of red blood maybe. Oh yeah. She's going to come in. So I feel like that's the flood that they're referencing, but I might be wrong. No, that's interesting. Speaking of the school, another blast seems to transport Blake back in time. We see an apology written on the whiteboard signed Jessica. About it, Blake says, I remember this. And he has mentioned and dreamt about Jessica before. Now he's saying he remembers this. So is this something that actually happened back in time? Or what do you think is going on? I think it's something that happened back in time that he must have done something wrong or didn't do something that he probably should have. And Mm -hmm. it happened in the past and he probably blocked it out. So he records the blackboard reviews the footage on his camera and he says like there's nothing here like there's you can't see the image that he recorded it's just static and we're talking i don't know what your immediate reaction to seeing the playback was two different possible reasons for it one is that it happened in the past not the present slash reality and that's why you can't get a video of it because there is nothing to get a video of So that's my first reaction, but the second reaction is it must be something to do with the the morphogenic engine or or that kind of thing. Like, there's some crazy science supernatural thing to it, and that's Mm -hmm. why he's not able to see it, but still hear some weird stuff. Speaking of the weird stuff, it is somebody speaking in reverse, and I took the liberty of editing this um, in reverse and trying to clean it up a little bit, so I'm going to play it for you now. Dear Lord, sweet Jesus, forgive my sins and accept my gratitude. Thank you, God, for killing that child. I didn't really catch it all besides <laughs> anything. Thank you, God, for killing that child. Yes, so here's what I hear. It's a man saying, Dear Lord, sweet Jesus, forgive my sins and accept my gratitude. Thank you, God, for killing the child. What do you make of that? I, I don't understand why you would think the god that they believe in for killing a child. Um, it's weird. Yeah. We'll, we'll continue learning more about this, but for now, that's, that's all we know. And then in the school, we also see the same creepy guy walking around as before. Anything else on scene one, or should we go to scene two? Nope, that's all I have. At some point, Blake falls and then wakes back up. Present day? He's back to the crazy town. Pretty soon, a friendly guy named Ethan, side note, why are there so many Ethans in video games? Like, they're everywhere. I was thinking about that. <laughs> I'm surprised Baby Wolf isn't called Ethan Wolf. <laughs> it's his middle name. <laughs> anyway, this guy Ethan stumbles upon Blake, and he seems to be the only sane person. He tells Blake that his wife was cast out and that Noth raped his daughter and then asked him to kill the baby, but that Ethan gave her a chance to run. 
At this point, Blake quickly realizes that his daughter is the woman that they came here to investigate. I don't know how Blake was able to jump to that conclusion and then to reassure him that his daughter's okay. Like, do you know that? Oh, no, she's definitely dead. That's why they came here. That's one of my questions was, was it right for him to lie and say that she's fine? Is it better to give the man some peace of mind or... No, it's false hope. Yeah, I'm a truth kind of person. I don't care how bad the situation is. Lay it on me. I want to know. Ethan hides Blake at his house where he can get some rest. But that is soon interrupted when Marta, we finally learn her name, comes looking for him. She's trying to find Blake and knows Ethan probably knows, but he does not give Blake up. And he pays a very steep price for it. Why do you think he's doing this for for Blake? I don't know why he would do it for Blake. But I do feel like the type of guy he is that if he's wanting to save his daughter and do right, then I have a feeling that it's just the type of guy he is and he's not going to betray Blake, especially knowing that Blake would probably have been the one who could help him track down his daughter. Yes. He, he dies. <laughs> Marta kills him. Uh, I feel like we need to do so long for him. I mean, this is maybe the only decent person in this whole game. Mm-hmm. And the amount of time that he had was so short. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like there's a little bit of symbolism there. You just, you can't be a sane, normal person in this town. You have to be crazy on either side. Yeah. And he was a good guy. And he saved Ethan's life. So he's a mother respecter for me. 100% agreed. Uh, slightly disrespectfully, Blake decides to film Ethan's dead body. And basically, this is when we learn that this person's name is Marta. Other than that, he also finds a letter that Ethan wrote. So the letter is just about Ethan to Paul that they're cousins and... It almost sounds like Paul was some high-ranking person within the Noth group of people. Like, almost like a manager level or something. It's like, why else would he need to ask Paul to help him try to convince mm-hmm. Noth, right? So, I don't know who Paul is, what his deal is, or what's his ranking. But it seems like Paul can have a lot of sway. What kind of hierarchy is there in this place? Like, is there an organization? Is there a structure? Is Paul, like, an SDWDO? was to father martin you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> to see like one of those henchmen sidekicks but continuing his search for lynn ethan runs into some people who have been tortured and hung up kind of like the pilot was but here's what's weird about this okay this is outlast it's not that weird to see dead people but when he looks back at the recording he says she was just a kid and that doesn't really make sense so is is one of the people hanging there a kid or is he talking about jessica I actually thought it was just like a, a mistake on the game. <laughs> that they probably <laughs> were supposed to put the audio for something else or take it out. So not long after this, Blake finds chapter 5. There's some weird things being described in this passage. This isn't the first time that we've heard some sort of creature be described. It could just be biblical references, but could this also possibly be like a wall rider 2.0? Yeah, well, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. I just... Why keep them? That's my question. Yeah, I don't know what what you said. That just made me think of this, but it seems like in these... Well, because we see this this description, and it talks about genitals. And then in that note from Lisa, 
mm-hmm. she she saw a creature and woke up like horny. Mm-hmm. So, could these things be part of the process of the whole like the weird pregnancy things? Yeah, I mean, there has to be something different about the reproductive organs and 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 processes yeah. in people because I it almost sounds like. They don't need nine months to grow a child. It's a lot sooner mm-hmm. than that. All right. So continuing to wander around this town, Blake then witnesses Marta dragging a dead man by her weapon thing. I don't really think there's anything to note there, but she's killing people. So that's weird. Why? And then after being chased into another section of the town, Blake finds another document. And I just have to say, Marcus, are you okay? Because... <laughs> It doesn't sound like it. I don't know what you thought of this document. Sounds like he's ready to start threatening being physically violent towards the recipient of the letter. It sounds like maybe they're married or in some kind of relationship. And Mm -hmm. I think they had a child and they had to kill it, which seems to be a common trend. And that she's just not getting over it. And it's Megan Marcus mad. I wonder why. (laughs) Is Megan Marcus mad, and he just doesn't seem to understand. Why should you be um, mad that I killed and murdered her child? <laughs> right. We find another document, and it's clear now that people are getting sick. But do we know why? And this was also written by Val, actually. So they talk about people getting sent to be with the scald, and then their children come to Val, who takes care of them. But then at the end of the note, there's a line that says, what do these dreams mean? One crazy theory is that maybe everything's all in her mind. Like, they're all dreams, just different sections, so Mm -hmm. that's one thing. Blake is able to continue unmolested for quite a while until another blast seems to cause all the birds to fall out of the sky. What causes these blasts and how does it kill birds? Yes, I know, I know what's happening, but I'm not going to tell you until I figured it out the first time I played it. I did not figure it out yet, so okay. I'm just going leave to you, leave you dangle in there. Mm-hmm. But then Blake does find himself in heretic territory, or I guess valor territory, mm-hmm. and comes across a shrine or temple area. And then he records that and again has a weird comment when he rewatches the recording. And he says, he said she did it to herself. He said he was protecting you. So I think at this point, it seems pretty clear that when he's reviewing these recordings, he's not actually talking about what he's physically recording. It's like a vlog for him. (laughs) It's weird, right? Mm -hmm. But I say this especially because immediately after this recording, he appears to be having both auditory and visual hallucinations of Jessica. He hears her voice and then even sees her hanging in the distance. But she disappears. Creepy. Inching ever so closer to the chapel, Blake finds document number 14. So in the letter, there's a sentence about Val saying that sins find us in her dreams. And I'm wondering if the moments, like those flashbacks that we see of Blake being in a school and of dreaming of Jessica is truly a dream. Is there something that he had a sin for? And, like, we don't know much information, but that's what's being implied here is that he must have done something wrong that he keeps getting dreams about Jessica and being in that school. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, there's another line or two 
that also referenced be- being horny when you wake up from this. So I feel like this is more evidence that yeah. there's something about this, whatever's going on that causes women to mm-hmm. maybe not reject whatever treatment this is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah. So we find, I think, the last letter from Val. And this one was actually addressed to Noth. And it's pretty aggressive. But there's one line that stuck out to me, which is, you thought the visions were punishment. So I'm assuming this is the same things that we've been seeing, these people hallucinating, dreaming, whatever it is. But they don't really indicate what they think the visions are. So if these aren't a punishment, like, do you have any theories what these are about? I do think that they're not a punishment, but a, a way to control their fears and use it against them. They're mm-hmm. going to be talking about what they dreamed of, and then it just gives whoever's been controlling everything some more insight on what to be able to use against someone. We find another document that describes more disturbing dreams that should not turn a person on, but are. So the trend continues. And then at the power generator station, Blake finds document 18, which is, it indicates that Noth is taking penicillin, but not being honest about why. Mm-hmm. Probably STDs and... <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> right? But they also called something about, like, study aids, and I don't really know exactly what's going on. And maybe yeah. if taking them pills are making things worse, or are they truly making things better? So I'm thinking that that's what he's telling these people who are, like, running his errands, going out into the real world, it sounds like, to run these errands for things that Mm -hmm. they need, that are modern. And so he's sort of lying to them, and that makes me wonder, like, why is he lying? And then there's your theory of, like, him raping people. Mm -hmm. And so then I'm like, is that what the scald are? Are these just all people (laughs) who have STDs from Noth? And my my reasoning for this is because of the letter written by Ethan, Mm -hmm. because we know that she was raped. And then after that, he says, I'm going to send her to the scald. So it's like he knows like that's the that's how it progresses. Like you get raped and then you get sick. I'm actually thinking that that maybe the meds aren't STD. Maybe that they're for like maybe they're for something. And then the side effects is like it causes hallucinations and that's why he's a bit crazy. And then he probably does something and spikes everyone in like the water and causes everyone else to have hallucinations. So I'm going to Google um, what is penicillin used for? <laughs> it's an antibiotic to treat infections caused by bacteria. Oh, it's used in treatment of throat infections, meningitis, syphilis. And various other infections. Also, penicillin and other antibiotics have a crucial role in treating STIs. It's recommended for all clinical stages of syphilis. Is it syphilis? Does he have syphilis? Oh my gosh! Sorry, the spider's on my computer screen. <laughs> okay, okay, you need to kill it. <laughs> Dude, take a tissue or a cup or sheet of paper, roll it I'm up. I'm not touching that. You know how I usually kill him? I spray them with hairspray until they <laughs> asphyxiate. Are you are you wasting your hairspray like that? Uh, I don't see it as wasteful. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um. Anyway, sounds like it could be syphilis. 
After turning the electricity back on and taking the elevator to get away from Marta, he finds another document. And it sounds like they're drinking stuff called the grape. And I don't really know what the grape does. So in this area where he's trying to turn the power on and get the elevator working, there is a point where he runs past a a group of people who seem to be dead, slumped at a table, and it appears that they drink cyanide. And then later we find this note after he gets the elevator working about drinking the grape. But it doesn't really sound like the grape kills you, but cyanide definitely does. So I don't know what they're drinking and for what purpose, but do you have any theories on what the grape is? Like, is that just wine? I thought that was wine too, but at the same time, where's the cyanide? I Yeah. Unless someone's spiking their drinks with cyanide, their wine. That's what I was wondering, except that it looks like they purposefully drank it because it's the jug of it's just sitting on the table. Maybe they all had to kill their own daughters or granddaughters and they feel guilty, so they all decided to get together and kill themselves. I'm confused. But now, significantly closer to the chapel, Mm -hmm. Blake starts to hear Jessica's voice again. Following the voice, he is attacked by a a tongue monster that drags him back in time to the school again. Are we sure it's that tongue monster or is this like um, the multi-dong monster that Lisa talked about? (laughs) It looks like a tongue to me, but you know, up for for interpretation. They don't give us a great look at it. I'm I'm going with tongue because YouTube allowed me to upload it (laughs) without blurring. But in all of these memories, it kind of seems like Jessica is asking or even begging Blake for help. And so kind of building off what you said earlier, do you think that he feels guilty or even responsible for whatever might have happened? I think so. I, yeah, I think we need a bit more evidence, but it looks that way. And then the same locker that we saw in an earlier vision opens by itself, which is unsettling. And this time we see a page of notes written by Jessica and Lynn. And it's mostly your run-of-the-mill young lady jibber-jabber. But Lynn does write, you have a big sloppy crush on Blake. So, love triangle? It it almost, maybe, like, this is a really wild guess that maybe Blake wasn't too gentle with rejecting Jessica. Maybe she just took her own life. (laughs) She snapped. Yeah. (laughs) She couldn't depart with the... The truth and she just took her own life and that's why Blake is feeling so guilty. Yes, and it's interesting that all three of them knew each other. So it'll be interesting to see if we learn more about that dynamic. Yeah, but... Lynn doesn't really seem to remember much about Jessica, but we know mm-hmm. that it must have had some massive impact on Blake. Oh yeah, for sure. He's definitely way more affected than Lynn is unless Lynn's just not letting on, but... Mm-hmm. Towards the end of the vision, Blake once again sees Jessica hanging, and then she's grabbed by the ever-terrifying tongue monster, potentially dong monster. So, Blake records this, at which point we again hear some reverse talking, so would you like to listen to it? Mm-hmm. Alright, here we go. You removed the temptation beyond what the flesh you made was able to resist. So this one, I had to slow it down a lot and do yeah. a lot of background noise removal. So mm-hmm. it sounds kind of weird, but I'm going to play it for you one more time. 
You remove the temptation beyond what the flesh you made was able to resist. All I heard was like something about removing the flesh and then something about temptation. Yes. So there's some debate on what exactly is said, because it is quite hard to hear, but mm -hmm. I feel like spending time editing it down, I was able to get fairly accurate. What I hear is, you removed the temptation and the armor of the flesh. You made us able to resist. <laughs> but it also can say that it is the ultimate ultimate resist or something like ultimate something like I, I don't know what what's the other other debate it's all pretty close okay. like instead of the armor of flesh it's the arm of the flesh okay and you remove instead of removed it's all pretty close so i don't i don't know what the armor of the flesh is i don't know what we're resisting but mm -hmm. um it's a little creepy very much creepy any theories on all this backwards talking? Like, who is this? What's going on? It's definitely not going to be accurate, but it almost sounds like something like the morphogenic engine. It's all reversed. Like, the, it recorded tapes, and now it's playing backwards or something like that. You, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I think yeah. it, it has something that ties back to the wall rider. It doesn't even have to be the wall rider. It might have been another project around that same period of time with crazy things. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just like the playback is reversing things. So I think that's what it is. After watching the, the playback, Jessica gets yoinked by the tongue monster. And I'm fairly certain there's not a connection between tongue monster and Andrew Earlicker. But I really want there to be. I really want there to be. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. And then Blake again comes to in the real world. So this is a little interesting because it happens fast and it's a jump scare. He opens a door in the school, right? Mm -hmm. But as the door opens, the door becomes a different door. And now he's in, uh, you know, the real world, we're going to call it. So was he moving while he was hallucinating is my question. Because if he's opening a door in his dream... He also opened this door because we see him open this door. So has he been wandering around, kind of sleepwalking, but hallucinating this whole time and navigating, but his mind is just elsewhere? It almost seems like he's operating in parallel universes, which yeah. I don't know more about how it would work just because we didn't see the connection yet. But we know mm -hmm. that there can be supernatural and kind of crazy stuff going on so i wouldn't be surprised if he's living in parallel universes right now yeah i think there's definitely evidence that he's still moving in the waking life but he's his brain's not there mm -hmm. it's interesting because the people that we saw seeming to hallucinate they were like crippled on the floor in pain mm -hmm. but maybe they're just farther along than he is so i don't know there's a lot of questions after part one that we need answered Mm-hmm. Any final words from you? Definitely a very overwhelming part or intro to this game. Yes. I would say watch it when you're you're in the right mindset because fasten your seatbelt, it really does take off. It's a very different pace than Heavy Rain and Yakuza. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both of which are fairly slow, especially Heavy Rain. But without further ado... There are not only batteries to track in this game, there are also bandages. Do you have any guess on how many batteries were picked up in this episode? This episode, probably 20-something. 
No. <laughs> 30-something? Wrong. 40-something? Wrong way. Oh, wrong way? Wrong. wrong. Like, <laughs> 17 or 15? 11. 11? That low? I felt like 11 batteries. I know. I did, too. And then for the bandages, you can't always pick them up because they fill up really quickly. So I just counted them if I walked over to them and attempted to pick them up. So how many bandages do you think there were? Probably, like, five. Ah, you're right. <gasps> I am? There were five. Oh, first Look at time that. That might be the first person. time. Right? I'm usually very nice. confident in you, and I find that I need to lower that expectation. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's only so many in the game, and <laughs> it's yeah. not all about what I do right or wrong. <laughs> well, no, it was... It, Unlike Heavy Rain, the where QTEs. that 100% was about me yeah. <laughs> sucking it up or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you want to do a, a game total guess? Yeah, I'll do it. Um, if you do 11 here, and there's four parts, right? Yes. So that would bring me to 44-ish, but I also don't think it would only be 44. It's 242. No, no, no. 38. Let's do 38. Okay. Final answer. Yes. 38 batteries. What about bandages? Let's do 18. 18 bandages. Okay. It's locked in. Mm-hmm. If you're right, I will buy you some batteries. <laughs> I don't need batteries. Can you imagine you bought me like a Costco-sized pack of batteries? I don't feel like that's a bad gift. <laughs> and honestly, though, it is a pretty good gift. If you want to know how old we are, we're at the age where we like batteries as a present. <laughs> my mom asked me what I want for my birthday. And I was like, you know what? I just want you to drop off my returns for me because <laughs> I don't want to do that. The access service. <laughs> Anyway, thank you again, Kathy, for putting up with my love of horror, but unfortunately our audience loves it too. Thank you for suffering. Hopefully uh, by the end of this, you'll be uh, a little more desensitized as I am. I will say I didn't jump when the garage opened. It's an improvement between, mm -hmm. I mean, last time, if the air moved, you jumped. Like, I did. <laughs> didn't you also get scared at work while we were... <laughs> During the month we were recording Outlast, didn't you, like, turn a corner and, oh my gosh, the spider's, uh, like, <laughs> riding its butt juice down onto my desk. At least it's not building a, a spider web. It's true. I'm okay with the spiders because they eat other things, but I don't want them on me. Anyway, you got scared at work. <laughs> I did. I did. I guess we'll see you next week. You want to count us off, Kathy? Yep. Audacity on one, three, two, one. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to send in any questions, comments, or game suggestions. You can find all our contact info on our website, replayreviewspod.com, or contact us directly through our site. Did we completely miss something? Are we way off the mark? Or do you just want us to take a deeper look at anything from the game? We'll tackle any topics you all want to hear in our season wrap-up episode. We also have a Reddit, where we discuss anything we're curious about. Go take a look, and let us know what you're thinking. Our theme music is Condemned by Eggy Toast. They'll play you out, and we'll be back next week.